Hi, this is Kyle Winterbottom, CEO and founder of Orbition Group, and you're listening to Experiencing Data with Brian T. O'Neill. You're now Experiencing Data with Brian O'Neill. Experiencing Data explores how product managers, analytics leaders, data scientists, and executives are looking at design and user experience as a way to make their custom enterprise data products and analytics applications more useful, usable, and valuable. And now, here's your host, the founder and principal of Designing for Analytics, Brian O'Neill. Welcome back to Experiencing Data. This is Brian T. O'Neill. Today, I have Kyle Winterbottom, the CEO of Orbition Group. I've been calling this Orbiton Group for so long, I was very embarrassed to, to miss the eye. So I guess my my um, I'm having a refraction appointment coming up soon to get my eyes checked. So I'm glad I know this is the Orbition Group. I'm not going to say the wrong one anymore because I don't want to further that mistake. But Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. There's a, a very uh, interesting story about the name of the company, not in the formulation of it, but just in the fact that everybody thinks it's Orbiton Group. And part of when I set the business up, I wanted to capture a word that was one word, ironically easy to pronounce that people would remember and uh, everyone gets it wrong. So I uh, probably need to have a rethink on, <laughs> on the name. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I just thought of right now, and not to turn this into a, a design audit, but I was curious about your logo and whether or not there's something in the in the typeface about the tracking between the the letter the spacing between the letters that maybe people are missing the eye but i'm looking at it right now i'm like no it says our vision <laughs> it's pretty clear that's yeah. funny everybody's saying that anyhow that's totally cool the more important thing is why are you here and why did i have you on so you're you're a pretty unique guest here in terms of this is a episode 118 ish or something like that it will probably be and you're coming out of the recruiting area that's uh, finding technical talent for data and analytics teams, which is, is unusual. Most of the time we have data product leaders come on this show, but that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. There's an interesting vector here, which is like, let's talk about the finding of data product leadership talent and, and what is this a thing in the market? What's going on with it, et cetera. That, so that's why I wanted to have you on here. And, and so that's what we're going to dig into. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. So when we had our kind of pre-chat you had mentioned there actually is a fair amount of stuff going on here. I feel like in the last, I don't know, six to 12 months, there's been a lot more talk about data products in general, which it's, it's not new on this show, but there seems to be more activity here. So I'm kind of wondering, can you just give a lay of the landscape in terms of what, what are companies looking for in the space of data product management? Do they know what it is? Is there a consistent meaning for what a person is that's doing this type of work? Can you kind of just Give us a landscape look here. Yeah, well, I guess to answer your first question, do they know what they're looking for? I, I don't think many organizations across the whole data analytics spectrum actually know what they are looking for. Uh -huh. But I guess in terms of the product piece, as you very rightly said, you know, it's it's obviously it's been around for a very long time. But in the data analytics world, it's the last 12 months or so has kind of really seen the prominence. So mm -hmm. we are now seeing, you know, a lot of organizations starting to build out data product teams. And, you know, that's translating into seeing a lot of jobs being formulated around, you know, the data product owner, the data product manager, um, you know, having product teams embedded into central data analytics teams or fragmented or hub and spoke models. So there's definite demand there. And I think, you know, I kind of started to see organizations getting more interested and excited in, about the kind of concept of treating data as a product or like a product or however the terminology needs to be framed. 
and at the back end of 2021, I kind of put my hat on the peg and said, I think this is going to be the next big thing as far as jobs go. And I think, you know, what we're starting to see now, you know, 12, 18 months later is that, you know, that is starting to come to fruition. So I think it's, uh, you know, I think I might have mentioned to the, this to you when we were offline, but I had someone recently say to me, I'm in the data product space and I want to become a data scientist and what should I do? And I was like, well, here's the answer. Don't. Um, (laughs) Because, because, um, you know, data science will have its time again, but it's kind of on pause, if you want to call it that. And data products is where the next big wave is going to be. So, you know, I think you're in exactly the right space. So, so yeah, yeah, a lot of talk about it. Organizations starting to move to it, build out, you know, data product teams, which is really exciting, but equally fascinating. Yes. So explain this to me, I guess, from your take, the desire to create these data product teams must be a reaction to something that's going on in the business. We're having problem X. And so therefore, Kyle, we need to go find data product teams to fix it. What is the X that they're trying to fix? What what do they think they're going to get with that? That's a great (laughs) question. That's a great question. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not too sure many organizations know the answer to that themselves. I mean, I think, you know, generally speaking, what I've seen happen more times than I care to imagine over the years is that most organizations get sucked into the hype around certain topics, yeah. right? So data science five years ago, I must have sat in countless corporate offices saying, you don't need to hire data scientists. I promise you, you know, you're going to regret this lo and behold. But I think organizations get sucked into that that trap. Now, I think data products, obviously, there's, there's starting to get a bit of hype around it, which I've got no doubt will start to lead organizations to look down that route just because they see and hear about other organizations doing it and, right. and things like that. I think what I've seen has been the thing that is helping or what it's helping organizations to do is to drive to drive adoption. And I think that's that's at the moment in time is kind of what it's really being used to combat. Now, yeah, you know, I've been quite vocal about what do product professionals think about the data product landscape currently because it's nowhere near as robust as, you know, actual genuine products. I think what I what I find and what I'm seeing is that it's almost like the role itself at the minute is being used as almost like a, a data BA, right? You know, where they're kind of sitting in that spoke as the the data person who knows the technicalities, but really their job is to gather requirements, make sure this stuff's getting used, et cetera, et cetera. The product piece around, you know, the service offering around that comes with the products, how often it's updated and maintained and new features i don't think we're anywhere near that yet in fact i think in many instances you know it's the same work that's been done before we're just kind of now calling it a product which is is interesting but it seems to be working which obviously then leads more businesses to do it so even if it's anecdotal you said it's working what's are are you saying you touch base with people after they place a candidate and you're like did it work like are you getting the value and they're saying yes or like what's what's your evidence that that's having an impact on adopt and when you say that do you mean adoption user adoption of the data products is increasing as a result of hiring these people yeah yeah so i think the yeah the result is that and this is you know normally the perception of the data leader, right? Mm. So there's probably something in there they're probably also not going to say, uh-huh. <laughs> no, this is terrible and not working. Um, right. But equally, yeah, I think, you know, most data leaders feel that by 
approaching data as a product it's allowing the the business users to kind of get their head around it more that there's something here that's formulated that's there for you to use that's going to make you more efficient at your job as opposed to hey we've found this data and here's some insight and you know make do with that what you will so the the kind of putting the, the guardrails around it as something tangible to use seems to be helping business users to just implement and execute which um you know as i said i don't think there's much more to it than that i'm sure i'm doing a lot of organizations a grave disservice at this point in time because there probably are many organizations that are doing data product stuff really well but majority speaking you know when we speak to data leaders and obviously people that we interview on our podcast and through the day job and in our events etc you know the product piece really seems to be that kind of initial engagement piece that gets business users excited to use it basically got it i'm actually glad that the people doing this hiring that the the executives and leadership teams are are connecting the dots between adoption and the work of product and like this is an area i've been focused on for a long time and the interesting thing with data products to me at least in my worldview of what these are is it's like the word product in there is actually more of a verb than a noun. It's more about, it's a method of designing solutions that are human centered with this idea that you'll get the adoption if you can increase the, the satisfaction part. So product is like a way of working for people that are, that are native to product management and design. It's really about the method. It's not just about the output of labor, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I, I think we get hung up a lot in the, the making of stuff, the making of the outputs, but really product management and design as a field is, is more about the verb and the process to me, the way of working. So the analyst, you know, the, the requirements gathering as part of it, I, I think of that more as the problem finding instead of requirements gathering, because requirements often sounds like go get what everyone's asking for and then serve it to them. And that's actually not what we need product people to be doing. Product people are actually out to find the hidden problems that are under the surface that are not articulated because you don't want to give them machine learning model just because they asked for it. You need to make sure that's the right antidote for the problem they have. And a lot of times they don't know how to express the problem except using buzzwords or they're trying to help you by telling you what tech to use because they think it'll help you know what to go make. And it's a trap. <laughs> There's a great book on this called The Mom Test, uh, which I, I recommend for product people. It's really it, the book was written more for entrepreneurs and people in startup spaces. But the, the main idea of the mom test is, is it, that one of the big things that I like about it is that and, and this ultimately becomes a product person's job once a startup gets going and the founders aren't quite as attached to the, the, the product itself. The product person, you 100 percent own the solution, but the customer, the user 100 percent owns the problem. You don't get to tell them what their problems are, but they don't get to tell you what to make and you don't cross those boundaries. And, and so anyhow, I'm, I'm going off on my my tangent here a little bit, but I'm, I'm actually happy to, to hear that the the increasing of adoption here is what they're associating this with. That's something yeah. I've been talking about for a long time. Other people have been talking about it as well. So that, I think that's cool. Yeah. That said, is this a hype? Are we or, I mean, feel free to react to what I just said, too, but like. I'm always worried that we're creating a hype, like this whole big data bullshit that was out there for so long. It's undefinable. It doesn't mean anything. It's not helpful. I don't want to be contributing to that. And sometimes I worry talking about this for so many years that it's creating fake 
baloney that's not helping anybody is does this feel like hype to you like it's just gonna and you're not gonna offend me if you think so is it just hypey or is it meaningful well i think look the, the data analytics industry in general has got an, an awful habit of falling into the traps of whatever the next big yeah. thing is right mm -hmm. as the silver bullet so i think there's always a risk that it is a hype i think the the slight difference in my view at this point in time is that there seems to be some tangible wins off the back of this right you know like if you think about the big data landscape you know that's that's fizzled out no one's you know no one's talking about big data anymore really right but 10 years ago it was uh because it was a massive massive tech play and you need to build this big data right. tech stack because big data is the next thing. And yeah. I think across the data analytics industry, what we are starting to slowly but surely realize is that, you know, all of the technology is just there to serve a purpose. And, you know, I talk about this quite a lot in the, you know, the content that that we produce, but I think we're, we're at a point now where it's becoming more and more clear day by day, week by week, that there's more to this than just, the building of of stuff and the whole methodologies around that plays an important part. But, you know, we're getting to the point now where I think businesses understand there's a lot of the soft stuff that's really important. And I think that's probably where the slight difference is here is that, you know, the product piece is starting to bridge that gap a little bit. But I think to, to kind of go back to your earlier point, I think the data analytics industry, because of its, you know, immaturity in comparison to other functions within a business what i see literally on a daily basis is that different terms different buzzwords different job titles they all mean different things to different organizations right, right? so we held a round table event which we do every single quarter and this was probably the middle of last year so we're probably approaching 12 months ago now and you know that one of the themes of the topic was data products versus data as a product and is there any difference and you know you've got 20 fully grown adults data leaders you know director vp cdos sat in the room almost literally arguing about the definition of <laughs> a, data, <laughs> a data product or data as a product and what's the difference and what constitutes what and you know they're literally someone say well no i don't think that's a data product that's data as a product and i'm kind of sat there thinking oh you know this does it at this point in time, does it really matter if it's serving the purpose of what we're trying to get it to, to do? So I don't know. I, I think there's more to this than it being another hype cycle of of something else. It feels like it feels like there's been success quickly with this and people are starting to see some tangible results. But again, you know, I think the important thing to probably reiterate is that data product to one organization probably means something different to what it means in another organization, especially when it comes to the role itself. Because as I've said, sometimes it's really a, a data BA type of role that's badged up as a product owner. Often then it can be, you know, the person that sits in the, the middle from more of a communication standpoint, right? So the translator, you know, in quotation marks, other times it's actually, we are building physical products that are, you know, beyond just the dashboard that we would have created six months ago when we weren't calling it a product, you know, so I think there's, there's a lot of organizational context to this, but it feels like there's more, there's more to it. And there's been some, some wins quickly, which has allowed organizations to kind of get behind. This might be a route forward. Got it. Got it. Can you tell me a little bit about how, when someone comes to you looking to hire talent, 
are they expressing the skill gap that they need or are they coming in the door saying i need a data product something or are they saying i got to get some people in here to help me increase adoption of our stuff and then you're like well there's this data product role is kind of owning that like which which way does it come in both ways to be honest with you it, it really depends on the organization and obviously their levels of maturity around that so you know one part of our business is the kind of talent advisory piece which is kind of what you're describing there so that helps us to understand you know actually what you're trying to achieve as an end goal how you piece all of that together with what talent you're going to need at what points in the journey what's the actual purpose of that role okay well that role is this this is what it's called in the market these are the different titles here's what it costs etc and then obviously the second part is going executing on that and putting that in so yeah we know we'll get organizations come to us saying we need a data product owner and then other times it's you know we're kind of looking for someone that can sit in the central data team but is kind of going out to the different domains but they need to be strong enough technically that they know how to build some of this stuff themselves but really what we want them to do is engaging with the user and understanding how the user is going to use this and start to help the data team to build this and then you go okay well this this is kind of what's coming up and right. this is the type of stuff that you need to be thinking about so yeah it often comes down to the maturity of the organization and you know how well versed they are in understanding what they are looking for so yeah and i'm curious after all that said and done, do you, do you then get a list of 25 technical skill bullets that they have to have mostly, and that's it? Uh, Brian, don't, <laughs> because I find don't, most don't people are, yeah, yeah, it's just like, well, you want all that, which requires, by definition, non-technical skill is the type of skill needed to do this type of work, which includes research and problem finding and design and, and all these kind of human factors type skills as well as knowing the business and all this other stuff. So Python, Jupyter Notebooks, data engineering, pipeline building, Tableau, Picker, whatever, that's not going to help you with those things. But like so much of the time when I, I mean, I don't look at job descriptions very frequently, but when I do, I'm, I'm always like, well, good luck finding that person. And you're just going to end up hiring another technical resource that's not going to help you with that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Is that honestly, that's, that's nine times out of 10 across every single job in the data analytics yeah. landscape, even at the data leadership level, right? You know, yeah. we, we see it all the time. We're, we're looking for a chief data officer to own data analytics and we want them to get commercial value and design and deliver and execute the strategy. Right. And then you look at the requirements of the job and it's <laughs> Python, right. GCP, Kubernetes, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, there's something not quite adding up here, um, you know, so, but I mean, that's just where we're at in the industry. I mean, I bang on about this all the time. And, and I think, you know, even I posted this morning about this very topic in the, you know, the whole soft skills piece is becoming absolutely integral because it, it's become, you know, it, it's night and day now between the people that are really investing in themselves in that area mm -hmm. and how quickly they're progressing in their career because of that but yeah you know most organizations they don't even think about that you know if i had a if i had a dollar for every time i'd heard this person's great technically but really struggles with xxx you know xxx meaning insert any non-technical skill right into that component <laughs> um and i sit there and say okay well let's look at the job description let's look at the job advert okay well it doesn't mention anything about any of those skills that you've just said they're missing and did you assess them in the interviews for having those skills? Like, you know, no, it's like, oh, how good are you at Python? How good are you at this? So, you know, there's, there is a big disconnect 
there. But, uh, you know, I think without kind of delving into the the kind of, you know, troubles of most organizations, recruitment processes and practices, that often stems from the disconnect between the people that are the hiring manager for that for that job and the knowledge transfer to the people who are actually responsible for engaging and attracting talent. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I think it's the, it's the same across every job, to be honest with you. I'm curious then, how are any of these companies then screening for the required skills in this space if they if it is a new skill? I mean, assuming we could get past the technical part of the interview, it, I mean, God forbid they're actually focusing on that in a data product management role. I mean, it's yes, you do need to know how the sausage is made, but your your job is not to be in the weeds writing code. It's just to understand the capabilities and all of that and to be able to have an educated conversation when necessary. But if you're spending all your time doing that, like you're not doing the role. So I'm kind of curious, how are they screening for this? Like, do they go out and just kind of hire like a seasoned PM, like out of the software space? And then or or like, I don't know, like, <laughs> do you have a sense of how they're doing that? So I think obviously, you know, I can only speak on behalf of the organizations that I speak to and have right. spoken to and, and we work on behalf of, I mean, a lot of the time it's advice, right? It's, you know, it's, these are the things that are actually going to be important to you for, for this role. And I think often as happens very frequently, but, you know, most organizations start out with, this is what we think the job is. Here's what we think is important. They go to market for that skill set. They bring that skill set in and do, you know, five, six interviews and then quickly realize mm, this person's probably not got enough of this or they've got too much of that and not enough of this. So the process itself often starts to rewrite the narrative a little bit for organizations. But, you know, most of them do start out first on that technical track. I think what has been interesting is that the data product space, we've tended to see people who are already working in a data team somewhere or in some kind of data capacity. So they might have the technical grounding, but they're probably not, you know, not the Python whizzes of this world. And, and you know, we're, we're starting to see people that maybe want to move into data analytics as a career, you know, so moving out of a different domain where they've got 10, 15 years experience in something else where they, they have that kind of commercial mindset and skill set but they've been i don't know a you know a frequent user of data or whatever the case may be they might right. have some technical grounding as an example right um mm -hmm. and i think it started out as almost a, a reskilling of people into those types of more forward-facing roles where they understood that this person necessarily didn't need to be so technical that's then started to build up the data, you know, organizations calling that data product so that then when they go to market, they've almost got a benchmark of, okay, really the important things are this. But again, that's based on maturity of businesses having gone on that journey themselves and kind of come to that conclusion often. So, you know, I think nine times out of 10, most businesses overestimate the importance of the technical stuff practically in every role, right? You know, maybe outside of the engineering space, for example, where it's practically all technical stuff, right? But yeah, even data analysts, data scientists, like they're all they're bothered about is the tech stack that they've used. And it's like, well, even those roles, there's a lot more to it than just the tech that they use. Right. So, yeah. Would you say a lot of the people getting placed in this then are, are not coming out of a product management role, say in the software space, but rather they're coming out of some other role and making a career leap into this new job title is that more frequently happening 
I think that that's what I've that's what I've seen, but I do think that's starting to change a little bit. I think as the conversation starts to unfold more, that actually, you know, what we're calling data products here probably wouldn't pass as a product in many other <laughs> in many other instances. Right. I think the actual product people are now starting to get sucked into that conversation, and obviously, data analytics is a you know on a, on a big upward trajectory has been for a few years and probably will be for the next ten fifteen years. Right. So there's probably a big opportunity for really good product people to move into the data space because it's going to be well paid lots of opportunity quite interesting space but yeah i think the starting point for a lot of businesses has been you know maybe moving some of the people that are better getting out into the business speaking to people influencing you know all of that type of stuff getting them and a lot of them might have come from a central data team right but they might be not the best technically. So they think, well, this, this person's got, you know, the the forward-facing skills that we need to be the kind of liaison and go between between our central data team and our business users. And that's what's the, you know, that's how it kind of started to get badged up as data product because it was then, I don't want to say it was a marketing ploy, but it was, you know, and probably wasn't even intentional, but it kind of feels that we got to that point almost by accident, right? You know, like there's this, um, we'll call you, data product people because you're taking our products to our users who are our customers and and so on and so forth and the job really was about get them to use it like understand what they want help us to design around that that to you know do whatever we can to get them to use it because the whole adoption conversation i mean has been rumbling on now for what many years right and yeah. we're still relatively in the same place but as i said i think the product piece has started to move that along a bit which is probably why you know data product data as a product however we're coining it is seeming to be getting a little bit more traction and and airtime the longer time goes on you mentioned this this is going to be a a well-paid space as well so let's talk about money for a second if you're okay with that what's the salary bands like for this and can you compare that to say a data science role or something that our listeners might be more familiar with. I'm trying to help them kind of see like the investment is equal to, you know, one and a half of these that you might have or something. Can you, can you talk a little bit at a, you know, mid to large size enterprise, which is like, I'm guessing is where you're typically going to see this, this type of role. Like what kind of money could people be making this space? Yes, I think, you know, broadly speaking, salaries across organizations within reason are relatively similar, right? You have a few outliers, obviously big tech players pay, you know, substantially more, but I think everyone else is within within a, a certain remit. So, I mean, from what I'm seeing and from the roles that we've, you know, been working on and where we've been helping businesses to build out data product teams, it's been relatively similar to, you know, yeah, data science type salaries for the most part. Obviously, I think, you know, what we've seen generally across the industry is five years ago, it was all about data science. They were the people getting paid the big bucks that kind of slid away a little bit. And then, you know, the rise of the data engineer has come to the forefront now. So I think, you know, data engineering is probably the most well-paid space in the kind of, you know, practitioner in quotation marks kind of landscape across data. But yeah, the product stuff is is up there for sure, you know. So I, I think most of it is very very similar i'd say you know it's it's kind of on par with with data science but again i think what we we are starting to see across the industry is more well-rounded teams being formed which is really good to see actually you know if you think even a couple of years back practically every person of a data analytics team was a hardcore 
techie, right? Right. Even your analysts were, you know, they were hired based on how good they were at using Tableau or whatever the case may be, right? As opposed to some of the softer skills. And we're now starting to see many organizations hiring hiring people out of, I don't know, change and transformation or out of communications and PR, right? So we're getting to this point where data teams aren't all about the core data job titles. There's more to it than that. So I think there's probably an appreciation. You know, if we were having this conversation two years ago, well, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation two years ago. <laughs> we weren't there, right? So, you know, the, the, this type of train of thought didn't really exist. But now, you know, I think businesses are waking up to the fact that we can invest all this money. We can build the greatest tech platform in the world, the greatest data lake, warehouse, whatever, you know, whatever we're right. badging here. But until people start using it, it's all, you know, it's all relatively useless. Right. So, so I think there's been a big organizationally, there's been a big shift to actually, okay, we probably need to start thinking about some of the softer skills, but how we connect the dots to the central data team who are building these products and, you know, so on and so forth. So yeah, I mean, it's money wise, I'd say probably the same in, in the realm of data science at this point in time. Can you share any ranges like in Europe or even US? I don't, I don't know how, what your company, the gamut you cover geographically with your work, but can you share some ranges for people that don't know? Yeah, we work across the UK, Europe, and the US. I think obviously there's some, I mean, it depends on the size of the company often, sure. right? But I think, you know, in the realms of data science and data products, you know, and again, it depends on experience, right? Is it mid-level? Is it is it senior? I don't know. You're probably looking $150 to $180 as a base. But again, it really varies. If you're speaking about a Fortune 100, they might weigh heavily more towards bonus and stock as opposed to base. So it is slightly different in the US because we can get some organizations where they'll pay an obscene base, but you don't get much else. Or then, you know, a competitor might pay a relatively low base, but, you know, load you up with stock and stock and bonus and things like that. The UK and Europe market is relatively similar, I guess, in terms of, of rates across the the board. And again, depends depends on experience. So, you know, data scientists, you're probably looking at 50 to 80K and that would get you, you know, probably someone with a few years experience up to someone slightly more senior. You then start to creep into the realms of management, leadership, etc 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 so it can depend it really you know it depends on the, the size of the business the maturity where there are a whole host of factors but yeah hopefully that gives you a bit of a flavor no that that's helpful and i you know i would suggest to if you're on the candidate side management side well you can you can take this information for listeners who are in management or in the ic side looking for this role but if you do this role right it's really going to be about the adoption piece which then translates to the business value piece and if you get good at explaining the business value you can bring and you can quantify that through your solutions, which is a skill you need, you can probably leverage some salary increase as well because you can actually quantify the impact of your work, which some other people might not be able to do that are mostly focused on doing the implementation of tools and, and building platforms and all this kind of stuff. Without a doubt. So something to keep in mind that could be used as a weapon or defensively you know, in a negotiation. But I don't know, that was the first thing that came to mind. It's like, it sounds to me like they're pricing this role like everybody else, because we don't really know what it is. So we're kind of going to like seat it in the middle with everything else. That kind of is what I'm hearing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I think, 
broadly speaking, you know, that's where most organizations pin most of their data analytics roles, right? You know, I mean, I, I'm very vocal on the fact that, you know, like the, the chief data officer or the data leader in any organization of today, their job now is about identifying, quantifying and articulating the commercial value that them and their team are adding. Like that, That's where we've gotten to now based on the last however many years of building these big tech platforms, you know, lakes, whatever, and businesses coming to us with our with their handout saying, well, where's the ROI, right? So I think, but I mean, it's a really fascinating space because it divides opinion. Like, you know, I speak to people all the time who are kind of like, yeah, that's not possible. And I'm like, mm, well, I, I think it is possible. So I think, you know, as soon as you get to a point where if you can help to drive adoption, and then you can quantify the benefit, the commercial benefit of that adoption to the organization, you know, that probably puts you up near the top in terms of percentile of being important to a data organization, you know, so whether you're the leader or you're the, you're the contributor, you know, if you're the leader, great. If you're not the leader, the leader will definitely want to have you and keep you and pay you well, right? Because you're helping them to deliver on, on their job effectively. So yeah, I think, but we're still in a place where it's not common practice. You know, it's, it isn't common practice at all for data teams to be able to say, we did this, that's resulted in, you know, whatever, $10 million on the bottom line that wasn't there before. Right. We're still not in that place, despite the debate and the conversation. Yeah. You know, most people think we should be there. We probably should be there. But, you know, that I, th I think that's the thing that a lot of data analytics professionals are going to have to start upskilling themselves in is that you know the value creation piece and being able to put your hat on that 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 was that was your doing and often it's not a case of they haven't done it it's they struggle to articulate that in business lingo right you know yeah. so it's almost the it's, it's almost the articulation of that and and probably the, the marketing of that you know most data teams are naturally not the best at marketing themselves because they don't see the importance of doing that, but you know, we're, we're moving away from that for sure. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned this. So I'm launching this, I don't know if I told you this data product leadership community and, and I'm opening up that research and design process. So we have a shared Google doc where I've been inviting people that listen to the show and my mailing list to go and comment on what would the community look like in version one? What are the benefits and all this kind of stuff? And this value, being able to quantify the value topic actually came up and there was several comments in a thread about this from two people I know that were, that's, and the reason they struggle with this is they're on an enablement team. So they build a platform on which other people then go say, deploy a model. And then the data, they're like, well, then the data sciences, they get the credit for creating the thing that is user facing that actually feels like it generates the value, but it could have been done without a platform on which to build it which I understand is kind of like, oh, look at these nice faucets in the house. It's like, yeah, but you need an entire sewer system and plumbing infrastructure before you could ever have those. So who gets the credit and how much is it worth? And there's an art, there's both art and science to quantifying this stuff. And I think that's where the challenge is, is we get lost in the precision part of it where value is very subjective. And so if you, once you realize it's subjective and you have to figure out, well, who's the person that is actually deciding what your value is, their perception of the value has to be factored into this. Mm -hmm. And once you have an idea of what that is, then you can get into quantifying it with some math, like you can do, run numbers, but there's a whole belief system. It's just like, how much is a dollar worth? It's like someone 
told you that the dollar is worth a dollar, but there's a whole belief system just wrapped up in money. And so I think that's the, the thing people need to unlock here is that there's a little bit of an art to this as well as the science of it. It's not all about just running statistics and numbers. There's an art to it too, and it's subjective and that's okay. We don't need to get super precise. You, you won't ever really be totally precise because someone else may have a like, no, the platform is not worth this over time. It's, it's, you know, it's only what you build on top of it. And someone else be like, well, without plumbing, there's no water. So I believe the infrastructure who's right. You can't, it doesn't, yeah. it almost, there's no absolute right. And that's the thing we have to let go of is there's no absolute right actually to that answer. In my opinion, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the interesting thing with that is that you can, you can kick that down the road for days and days, right? You know, exactly. so the, ena the enablement team is saying, well, without us, this isn't possible. Right. The data science team are getting the credit in their eyes, but then, right. I don't know, they build a model that helps sales forecasting. Well, then the sales team are saying, well, hey, look, we brought the sales in, so it's it's on us, right? So, and, and then the chief sales officers saying, well, hang on, I run the team, it's, right. it's mine, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, so yep. you can kick it down the road. I think when I often speak about the importance of soft skills, I think one area that is massively undervalued and talked about is the ability to build relationships, you know, so, and I think that's often where yeah. this comes in internally. You know, if you're in a data enablement team that's helping a data science team, whoever's running those different teams and divisions should be working closely together in partnership and saying, right, you know, if we come up with something great here for the business, well, you know, let's agree what that's worth to each each team, you know, and the many right. people I've interviewed over the years in the day job on the podcast, spoken to at events, often they talk about that kind of, you know, setting of the expectations up front to say, you know, if we do this and it results in X, then we want to be allocated X amount of value credit for that, right. you know, and it's almost setting yeah. expectations up front and having a mechanism to do that. But I think, you know, most data analytics teams have been at this for a long time they arrive at the point of there's some uplift and then everyone's squabbling over <laughs> how much, you know, how important their part in that role has, right. has been. And everyone's kind of, you know, grappling for the value because now we're in a constant cycle of talking about, it's all about value and value creation. So we're kind of reactively trying to fight for the stuff that we've already done um, as opposed to, you know, trying to find a way from the outset to understand the subjectiveness of it, I guess. Right, right. We could probably go on hours about that, but that's a whole nother <laughs> topic. But I wanted to get just a little bit of practical stuff here before we wrap up. First, in terms of hiring data product managers, data product leaders, any suggestions on how to do that in terms of like job description stuff? And I, I like to get, you know, if you can get fairly specific in this domain, that that's helpful. I know there's a lot of just generally bad job descriptions. I, I see it in the design field and they're still just like, well, what do you, what's going to happen in six months after I'm at this job? I have no idea because you just listed a bunch of skills, but I don't really know why you're even hiring a role. Like what would be different in the future after I've been here for six months? I mean, that would, that's what I would be asking if I, if I was still in the W2 market, which I haven't been for 15 years, but any suggestions on how to write a description? Is the job description even the important thing these days with this role? Like where, where does someone get started any tips for, for how to find these people? Yeah. So, I mean, as part of our, you know, advisory business, we, this is, this is um, probably the area that we speak most about, right. In terms of talent attraction, it's almost understanding, well, identifying, understanding and being able to, to articulate similarly with the whole value conversation, exactly what it is that makes your business team opportunity role compelling and believe it or not, 
I'm sure you're going to be shocked to hear, Brian, but that's not the list of tech skills that, that you know, people are that bothered about. I think, yeah. the, you know, it's ironic because we're forever talking in our industry about the importance of storytelling. Yeah, I've never seen a business once tell a good story about how good it is to work for them specifically in regards to their data analytics team and telling a story about that. And I think that's often where there's a disconnect is that often businesses are led by the perception of whatever is above the door especially big organizations, they really suffer from this. You know, they think just because they're a big brand name that everyone's going to flock to work for them. And, and outside of Facebook, Google, Amazon, Twitter, Netflix, et cetera, who most people will go and want to work for regardless of how bad they're paid or how bad the conditions are because it looks great on a resume. Everyone else is now kind of competing in the same field. But I think we've gone on a journey where many people – now feel that they've been employed by businesses before and feel a little bit burnt by the experience they had. You know, everyone's talking about how we're moving, you know, on this big data transformation journey and we're data driven in quotation marks and they get in there, they're delivering work that doesn't see the light of day and their impact within that within that team, their organization, it's just invisible, right? So I always talk about the concept of how do you articulate how someone's work will be visible, valuable, and impactful. I think that's the thing that you try to, the story that you try to tell in a job description, a job advert. You know, we could talk for hours about this. Adverts and job descriptions are two completely different things, although most businesses create a job description and copy and paste it into a Word document, and then that's the advert, right? That's a thing in itself. Like the advert is there to, it's a commercial, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't see a BMW commercial on a billboard, that listed all of the nuts and bolts that it uses in its tires, right? That's but that's that's what that's what job descriptions are, right? It, it kind of a commercial for a BMW talks about what you become when you drive a BMW, the status it gives you, the feeling yeah. you get when you sign the car, you know, all of that right. type of stuff. That's what businesses should be focusing on, how they articulate what it's like to work there. And then you can start to get into the components of, of what that looks like. You know, what is the business goals and objectives? How is the data strategy designed to support that? What does this role slash team do in order to support that data strategy? How is that individual person's work going to be impactful towards that overall mission? Mm -hmm. Who is the data leader that they would work for? Do they have any credibility standing in the data analytics community? You know, are they well-known? Do they speak at conferences? There's a whole host of stuff that you can look at, which is is why it almost infuriates me because it's, it's still never been easier to stand out from the crowd. Like All you've got to do is write a half-decent job description slash advert in the form of a story. Ironically, a lot of big businesses are bound by systems. So I was having a conversation this morning and – you know, opportunity-wise, I mean, this is a big global automotive brand, right? So by the very nature of it, they would get people wanting to work for them anyway because it would look pretty cool. And I'm sure the job itself would be would be pretty cool. Everything that they told me was fairly positive, but then we started to review some of their job descriptions and the, the chief data officer is saying, I'm, I'm kind of hamstrung here because what I've got to do on the back end is I've got to answer this question in a box and then the job description's formulated off that. So everything looks and sounds the same because everything's been answered the same. It's based on a set series of questions that goes into a system and spits out of the other side this awful looking templated document, right? So in that instance, I was saying to him, well, okay, 
you know, if that's what you're working with, that's what you're working with. You need, you need another way, another medium to tell your story. So, you know, and this person's starting to get more active on LinkedIn. So it's like, great, that's your platform. Like go and tell your story on LinkedIn and drive people to that as opposed to looking at that awful to that boring job description yeah <laughs> where they'll immediately be let down yeah exactly <laughs> i mean the story's cool right but just right the the, this, the the process and the system that they've got to follow just doesn't allow for that yeah. to to come out so so yeah i think broadly speaking that's really what's starting to matter across every job but obviously you know there's and this is the thing that i i talk about a lot there's nuances to every role right so what matters to a data analyst or data scientist is hugely different to what matters to an accountant. It's hugely different to what matters to a marketeer. That's hugely different to what matters to a salesperson. You know, the list goes on. Even within the data analytics spectrum itself, like what a governance person cares about is wildly different to what an engineer cares about. That's wildly different to what a ML engineer cares about. You know, so the the whole spectrum it almost you know, I think businesses are very guilty and understandably so because it's very time consuming, but they're very guilty of there's a template. We follow that template. So every every job looks the same and it just doesn't speak to the specific audience that you're trying to attract. And I think that's the thing is, I mean, goodness, we speak about personalization nonstop, right? In today's world. Yeah. Look at a job description and tell me how personalized that is to the specific type of person that they are trying to attract. It's non-existent so i think that is the thing it's understanding in this realm of course like what's important to product people like beyond the stuff of what will you become what does the future look like how does that all sew together what will i be doing day to day how will my work be valuable and impactful and visible across the business but then specifically from product lens how does that sit how does that all piece together how does that within that team how does your work impact the users how does you know your work impact the central data team what does that relationship look like there's a whole host of things to it so yeah it sounds like i just want to write python code leave me alone let me do that i'll be happy maybe there's less of those people coming in the door people want it, their work to matter more or get used i don't know that's yeah i mean it sounds look, like <laughs> yeah if, i mean if you rewind i mean probably probably pre-covid right mm-hmm there were a lot of people that would choose an employment opportunity based on, you know, in, and this is data analytics specific, but would choose an employment opportunity based on what projects do I get to work on and how, you know, quotation marks sexy are they? Yeah. What's the tech stack and how much are you going to pay me? Right. That's really the the, the core things that, you know, and, and obviously the logistical stuff, like how often do I need to be there and where am I based, all that stuff. After that, you know, the world changed through COVID, but I think, you know, it already started to shift a little bit because people were just, you know, they go into an organization, they do all this great work. It wasn't getting used. No one knew they even existed. And then they were just like, well, this is absolutely pointless. Like I want to be somewhere where I have a purpose. Right. Go figure. <laughs> so the, yeah, exactly right. But it's about getting to that point of understanding. Yeah. Of course, they still want to work on sexy projects. Of course, they still want to use the latest and greatest tech. Of course, they still want the best salary they can. But they also now want something more. Yeah. But you know, no one's really talking to that. And the ones that do find, you know, we talk about a talent shortage all the time. You know, for many roles, there is a shortage. If you were to look at this on a pure mathematical basis, you know, engineering is a great example. You know, there are probably a lot, lot, lot more jobs for senior data engineering folk than there are people that can 
do it. So in that case, there is a talent shortage. But what you'll find is the market is lopsided to the ones that can attract better people by telling a better story. You know, so you might have a whole host, a big quadrant of those data engineers work at one or two companies because they've just figured out what it is that it takes to get them through the door by telling a great story. And, you know, yeah, they've probably got the best tech and they've probably got the best projects and they probably pay really well, but they've also managed to get them to engage with them, which is really part of the the journey. Kyle, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for bringing something really different to the show here. Where can people learn about Orbition Group? I'm assuming you can probably help people, uh, management, the leaders that are listening to the show, if they are trying to staff up on data product managers and that talent, I'm assuming that's something you can help with. Can you just kind of give a spiel? Where, where should people find you? What's a good place to connect? Yeah, well, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Kyle Winterbottom on planet Earth, so I shouldn't be too hard to, to find. www.orbitiongroup.com. There's a whole host of detail on, on there that you can scan. But yeah, LinkedIn's probably the, the, the best place. And just a, my branding tip for you is you should also buy notorbiton.com. <laughs> Yeah. And that's a shout out to my friend Brenna from Lycos. There was a, a designer I worked with named Brenna, and her website was notbrenda.com. <laughs> I thought that was the best, the best name ever. So, <laughs> Kyle, it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on Experiencing Data. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Experiencing Data with Brian O'Neill. If you did enjoy it, please consider sharing it with the hashtag Experiencing Data. To get future podcast updates or to subscribe to Brian's mailing list, where he shares his insights on designing valuable enterprise data products and applications, visit designingforanalytics.com slash podcast.